discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified. God bless you all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands towards heaven. Thank you. Bread of heaven. Hidden manna. Blessed Holy Spirit. Blessed Holy Spirit. Blessed Holy Spirit. We hand over this written into your hands. Thank you for your guidance and leadership. Your dominion. In Jesus name. The son of God. Amen. Can you please be seated? Hallelujah. So Bishop, thank you for bringing me again. Year by year, I'm, I'm very grateful to be part of what God is doing. Thank you, Bishop. Hallelujah. Thank you, Bishop. And the uh, and all the pastors who are standing with you. Very faithful people. Man of God, thank you. Thank you, sir. You are looking nice. Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God is good. It's so amazing the year has come. Yeah. I kept thinking about last year. And the year has come. Very soon, we will not come here again. Hallelujah. Yeah. You'll be, so, you'll be so many that counting you'll be a problem. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's, it's, it's going to come to pass. You'll be so many. Hallelujah. All right, turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 10. Chapter 10. And uh, I want to touch on the theme. Winning life's battles. Hallelujah. Winning life's battles. Second Corinthians 10. I start from verse 3 to verse 5. For though we walk in the flesh, I think the choir sang something like that. Like your songs, the song you the song you sang. Yeah. Very prophetic. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not canal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 
casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. How many of you want you want to win life's battle? That's powerful. That's powerful. So verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Apostle Paul is speaking, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, someone would say, why does he say, for though we walk in the flesh? Because he himself said, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Is it not the same Apostle Paul who said that they that are in the flesh cannot please God? And ye are not in the flesh, if so be that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. So Paul says, we, we, we don't have to walk in the flesh. We have to walk in the Spirit. Now why does he now say, though we walk in the flesh? Yeah. He's talking about something different. Though we walk in the flesh. So the flesh here, he's talking about walking in this physical body. Your body is your, your domicile. He's talking about the human body. We live in a human body. We live in a human body. Physical bodies. So we touch the physical. We contact the physical. So though we walk, it's like John 1.14, spoken spoke of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word was made flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So our Lord Jesus came in a physical body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we are also in a physical body. So though we walk physically, though we walk physically, yet we are waging a battle. So he said, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For verse 3, please. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So all of us here, physical, I mean, we are all born again, but we are in physical bodies. Hallelujah. So that, that's what he's talking about. Yeah. So he said, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. He's saying that we are not fighting physically. The implication is that we are warring. We are warring. We do not war after the flesh. Now, which war is he talking about? Because the word war here, in the Greek tense, implies that we are constantly warring. We are constantly warring. The Greek tense is in the present indicative middle. It's, it's in the present tense. That means that we are constantly warring. Even as we are sitting here, you are warring. Yeah. <laughs> so, the war spoken of here is a constant warfare, not an occasional warfare. 
He is not talking about once a while praying against witches and wizards. That's not what he's talking about. That's not the word he's talking about. Or once a while you, you perceive some demons are troubling you and you, you pray against them. That's not what he's talking about. Because binding demons and casting out devils and dealing with witches and wizards are not constant. They come once a while. Is that not so? Yeah. yeah. But the worrying he's talking about here <laughs> is continuous. It's present. It's yearly, monthly, weekly, daily, hourly, minutely, secondly. That's, that, that's actually the, impl- the tense. We are constantly, every time, every moment, we are worrying. Yeah. No break. Constantly worrying. Now that you are listening to me, you are even worrying. <laughs> and many Christians have not understood this warfare. Because when we hear warfare, all that we think about is come out, I bind you, I cast you out, leave this. That's, that's what's okay. But what we are talking about is the highest realm, it is the highest level of warfare. And that one is constant. There is no break. Hallelujah. That is why he said, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk. <laughs> so it is, it is the present tense. In the Greek, present tense is an action in the present time in a continual fashion. So it's, it's happening. And it is indicative, it, it is a statement of fact. <laughs> Hallelujah. And it's in a middle voice. That means that <laughs> this war, when you wage it, it's for your profit. Wow. So you better w- wage this warfare. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That means you, the believer, you are called to battle this battle. Okay. To wage this warfare. And when you do it, it's for your profit. Wow. And it is constantly happening. Wow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We do not war after the flesh. The next verse. For the weapons of our military engagement, that's, that's the word. The weapons of our, our military engagement are not physical. He said that the weapons we are using are not cutlasses, knives, AK 47, uh-huh, guns. That, that's not what we are using to battle. Uh-huh. We are not using catapults, we are not using stones. You know, <laughs> they are not in the physical realm, but they are mighty through God. Now, I, I know we know the weapons of our warfare. The weapons of our warfare are, are all the truth hidden in the New Testament. Truth, truth. These are the weapons we use. Yeah, the word of God, we weaponize the word. For instance. Um, when the Bible speaks of the breastplate of righteousness, it describes the, the word of righteousness. When it describes the shield of faith, it is the word of faith. When he describes the helmet of, of salvation, it is understanding, in-depth in understanding into your salvation. Yeah. The shoes of the preparation of the gospel, understanding the gospel of peace, and your feet deeply, firmly grounded, in the gospel of peace. So all of this speak of the truth of the gospel. But we weaponize the truth. We use the truth as weapons. Praise God. Alright. 
through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So he's describing that our weapons are actually not physical, but they are spiritual. They are the truth of the gospel. And they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, the stronghold here is the word okoroma in the Greek. It has two meanings in one. The word stronghold here, hold here means a prison and a fortress. Now, there's a difference between a prison and a fortress. Is there anyone here who has been in prison before? A prison and a fortress. When you are in a prison, now understand this, when you are in a prison, you can't go out. Is that not so? So, a prison prevents the inmates, those who are in, those who are within, to go out. But a fortress prevents those who are outside to come in. So, fortresses are built to prevent outsiders from coming in. And prisons are built to prevent insiders from going out. But the word strongholds describes both. So the stronghold is talking about is more than a prison. That means that you, you are in such bondage, you yourself, <laughs> you cannot free yourself and others cannot help you. That's the kind of bondage he's talking about. <laughs> you cannot go out, others cannot come in. Very disastrous. Stronghold. Okay. So now the war we are waging are these strongholds. So now, semicolon. Okay. What are these strongholds? How many of would like to know the kind of war we are constantly waging? Yeah. Because I've said they are not witches, they are not casting out demons here and there. Though it is inclusive, but because this war is constant. And uh, if you learn how to win, you will enjoy life. The life Christ gave you. Wow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Alright. So what are they? What are they? The next verse. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, say imaginations. imaginations. And say thoughts. thoughts. Yeah. So that's it. How many of you are thinking right now? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I said the war is ongoing. <laughs> yeah. The war is ongoing. Yeah. In, in, in the New Testament, you see, when the Bible speaks of warfare, all the times warfare is used, it is used concerning the mind. First, the mind. Second, the flesh. And lastly, Satan and demons. That's the least mentioned when it comes to warfare. Yeah, but we have made that first. Yeah. That one is the, is the, is the cheapest one. Dealing with them is the cheapest one. But how they attack us indirectly through the, the imaginations and the thoughts is what I'm talking about today. Imaginations and thoughts. You see, your thoughts progresses to become imaginations. Your imaginations are based on your thoughts. Imaginations are based on your thoughts. And the highest warfare 
is waged in the realm of thoughts, your thought patterns, your thinking, and imaginations. Imaginations are things you image yourself in. Sometimes you are sitting down and can see your casket. You can even see your obituary. Yeah. <laughs> things you image yourself in. You can see yourself on a hospital bed. You can see yourself so poor you have nothing to eat. Those are imaginations. You image yourself in. I understand this. Im- imaginations are so powerful before God. Before God. Yeah. You can imagine yourself that your heart is broken. Because you can foresee your guy leaving you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no yeah I know this the last one is very common yeah so sometimes you're thinking about your wedding and you can you can foresee your wedding your wedding day Listen. and you can foresee the pastor saying if there's anyone here And your imagination scans the room to see whether someone will stand up. <laughs> there was this wedding in Takrade. And, and the pastor announced that if there's anyone who has a, you know, something to say. Aha. Uh-huh. This is the time to show up. Then someone stood up from the back with three children. Came forward to the altar that he's my husband and these are his children. <laughs> Live in Takradi. True story. So the wedding collapsed. Yeah. There was another one. The lady, the lady and his son stood up from the back and they were coming. The whole room was seated. So the pastor asked, Do you have anything to say? He said, Oh no, we are looking for a place to sit. We can't hear from the back. <laughs> May that never happen to you. Now, now, imaginations are so powerful that I want to show you the first two times the word imaginations, imagination is used in the Bible. Genesis 2 verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. There's imagination here. I see it. You see it. Okay. Now the word imagination is the Greek word yes sir. Yes sir. Now it's the same word in Greek for the word formed. The same word in the, in the Hebrew, sorry. The same word. So in the, in the Hebrew, <laughs> so actually, it, it, now the word yeser actually means to squeeze clay into a shape like a clay dough. You know, it's like playing with clay dough and squeezing it and molding something out of it. 
So it speaks of formation, you know, creation, creating or forming something out of a pre-existing material. So God is saying that, and it's the same Hebrew word for imagination. So your what you imagine is as good as its formation. <laughs> you think it is just imagination, but actually it is formation. <laughs> it is something that is being formed. That's why we say your imagination is as good as the creation of it. So what you, you image yourself in actually is it is done. <laughs> imagination. So the first time imagination is used as a verb is this verse. Let me show you the first time it is used as a noun. Genesis 6 verse 5. Genesis 6 verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness, wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Imagination here is a noun. It's the same word for formed. But, but, but look at it. The best way to guard your heart is to guard your imaginations. Okay. <laughs> and now we're saying that. You know why God destroyed the world? He saw that the imagination of the thoughts of man's heart was evil. Can you imagine? He saw their imagination and their thoughts. It was enough to destroy the world. Because to God, their imagination was as good as done. Hmm. It was only evil. Yeah, so imaginations are powerful. That's why Jesus even said, He that looketh at a woman lustfully has already, that one is even faster, committed adultery. So, can you imagine? So, so, for your imagination to undress a woman to God is the same it's, it's a formation, it's done the only thing is that she, she can't become pregnant, that's the only thing <laughs> so Jesus said it is already done so see, see the power of imagination hallelujah alright I'll come back. What about thoughts? So, the weapons of our warfare deals with imaginations and thoughts. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing it into captivity. Every thought. Say thoughts. Thoughts. Okay. Your thoughts actually develop into imagination. Thoughts are powerful. Thoughts are actually substances. Researchers recently have told us that subatomic atoms have changed their forms through the power of the thought. You see, your thought releases energy. As you think, energy is released from your mind, your thoughts, actually. And the subatomic atoms around you are actually affected by this energy coming from your thoughts. 
and they are transformed by them. So what it means is that your thoughts can modify your environment, affect your environment, and arrange and rearrange your environment. Your thoughts affect and reflect you, affect you and reflect your reflect on your life. Now, your thoughts will attract to you what they are. I'm trying to explain. What it means is that the thoughts are so powerful. Your thoughts are so powerful. The energy from your thinking processes are so powerful that subatomic atoms change their forms through your thinking. So it's thinking a certain way. Your environment is rearranged according to your thought patterns because of the energy coming out of your thoughts. So much that researchers have told us that When you take a particular kind of thought, for instance, if all your thought is failure, 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 what happens is that your thoughts attract its kind and programs your life after what it is or what it says. So if all your thought is failure, 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 before you realize all your friends, all the people who come around you are people who have failed. And circumstances that comes around your, your life are all failing circumstances. Yeah, if your thoughts are all depressing thoughts, after a while, you attract depressed people around you. You realize that all the people who are coming around you are already are, are depressed people, <laughs> and circumstances are depressing circumstances. Yeah, so what your thoughts are, it will attract its kind because it releases power and energy. The Bible says, As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So is he. That's what Jesus said. Take no thoughts. Saying, those guys have gone further. Don't take the thoughts. That means you think about it so much and now you are even speaking it. Thoughts are so powerful. That's why God could say, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are of good report. You know? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these. So think on the right styles because the things you think about, you will attract it. Aha. Uh-huh. They attract what they are. And they ar- arrange your life, your atmosphere, your circumstances according as they are. The arrangement of things in your life is just according to your thought pattern. It's powerful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. You can think death, 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 and die. Fear, 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 and it will reproduce. Yeah. The things you set your mind on, after a while, they come to pass. Because your imagination is creation. It it, it is formation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As you image yourself in, it will come to pass. Praise God. All right. So now, there is a battle we are waging and uh, it has to do with our thoughts because our defeat comes from our thoughts and our victory also comes from our thinking so he said casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ that's my message 
bringing into captivity bringing into slavery captivity every thought now the warfare we are talking about here is bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of christ say after me bringing into captivity captivity. every thought thought to the obedience of christ Christ. that is it what does it mean to bring your thoughts to the obedience of christ what does it mean first let me tell you what is what it is not before i tell you what it is he is not saying bring every thought take bring every thought captive to obey christ that's not what he's saying are you following me he is not saying bring into captivity every thought to obey christ he's not saying that all those evil thoughts in your head that comes to, to your head seven times every minute uh-huh he's not saying take those thoughts captive to obey christ that's not what he's saying already you now you are incapacitated to hold that thought how can you obey christ without thoughts yeah that's not what he's talking about <laughs> that's not so but some versions even missed it, missed it in translation from the original Greek. Bringing into captivity every thought, not to obey Christ, but to the obedience of Christ. The word obedience is not a verb. To obey Christ is a verb. But the word there is not a verb, it's a noun. To the obedience of Christ. He's not talking about your obedience, he's talking about his obedience. The obedience of Christ, Christ's obedience. What is the obedience of Christ? And I'll show you how you can take you can take the thoughts that harasses you every moment, how you can take them to his obedience, not to your obedience, the obedience of Christ to his obedience. Yeah. Because that battle is always going on. To his obedience, the obedience of Christ. How many of you are following? What is the obedience of Christ? His obedience is his death. His death on the cross. The Bible calls that his obedience. His death on the cross is his obedience. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Romans 5.19 I want some people here for illustration. I want two tall people who are almost alike in height. All right. All right. Thank you. So the rest can pl- sit down, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> Wait. And I need two of you to also stand here. All right. Okay. So please, you stand here. Okay. You'll be the first Adam. <laughs> you'll be Adam. You'll be Christ. Okay. Praise God. The obedience of Christ. For as by one man's obedience, okay, you come back. Yeah, I think you must come back. As for as by one man's obedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Now, this is that one man. His name is called Adam. 
Then the Bible says, so by the obedience of one, this is Christ, shall many be made righteous. Okay. So, we are talking about two federal systems. Two federal systems or federal headships. One is called Adam. The other one is called Christ. All right. Please, can one of you stand here in front of him? Ten. Ten. Yeah. Please. No, I need short, two short people. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so without controversy, <laughs> it is settled. So now this is Adam. This is Christ. Now you, you are the sinner. Okay. <laughs> you are the righteous man. You are righteous. <laughs> All right. Okay. Now, how did this man become a sinner? The Bible is telling us that he did not become a sinner by his disobedience. He being a sinner has nothing to do with what he did and what he didn't do. He's a sinner not because of his, his disobedience. He's a sinner because of this man's disobedience. Hmm. Now the world doesn't know this. The world thinks, thinks that, oh, we are sinners by what we do. You are not a sinner because you sin. You sin because we're a sinner. Think about it. <laughs> hmm. Should I repeat? You are not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you are a sinner. It's simple. Just, just. Have you thought about it? Uh-huh. Now, because you were born a sinner, by nature you were born a sinner. By your sinful actions is from your nature. Hmm. So the sinner... Is a sinner not because he disobeyed God. He's a sinner because this man disobeyed God. For as by one man's disobedience, this man became a sinner. You understand? Alright, this is our Lord Jesus Christ. He obeyed. Yeah. He obeyed. Yeah. I like the way you are in seats. Jesus is the fairest amid the faith. The fairest of... 10,000. Uh-huh. So, by the obedience of this man, many were made righteous. So, this man is righteous. He's righteous not because he has done any good thing. He's righteous not because of his good behavior. He's righteous because of this man's obedience. You are not righteous by what you do. You do right because you are righteous. You understand? So, your righteousness is not based on your obedience. Have you seen it? So, by one man's obedience, this guy was made righteous. So, we we are connected. (laughs) So, just imagine. And this is it. Understand this. Whatever this man is, (laughs) 
whatever this man is before God, all that came from him are the same before God. Whatever this man is before God, all that came from him are the same. God sees them as he sees, sees this man. It doesn't matter what they have done and what they have not done. They are federal head. <laughs> what he did is put into all of them the account as though they did it. So if he was rejected, all the rest are rejected. Yeah. Now, now you, you say, ah, but is this fair? Let me ask you a question. If your grandfather died, you wouldn't have been here today. Just think about it. I want to show you how we are all connected. If your grandfather had died, you wouldn't have been here. Died at his birth, or someone even murdered him before giving birth. You wouldn't have been here. That's why <laughs> murdering is not easy. If you murder someone, you murder the whole generation from now to the new Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah, you kill one person. <laughs> Yeah. So, whatever this man is, he genetically imputed that into his procreation. So, when he is rejected, all his seed is, are rejected. Whatever curse came upon him, th that, that same curse came over all, over all of them. So, this man, he received sicknesses, diseases, poverty, trouble, war, rejection, whatever he received. What, how, how God sees this one is how God sees this one. And all that came from him. What he did is imputed to his race. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The same with this one. So that's why we call it federal headship, federal systems. The same with Christ. Now, are you here? Through this man's obedience, this one is righteous. So all of us, we are not righteous by anything we have done. But by what Jesus did. That's what is written there. But whatever this man is before God, that is how we are before God. How he is accepted before God, all of us are accepted the same way. Hmm. Whatever favor he has before God, how close he is to God, how free he is, whatever he has, the same, we have the same measure, is put into our account. So now, you are accepted just as your head is accepted. You are, Christ is not accepted more than you. <laughs> Everything is in your account. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All his blessings, all his favor, all that he has, all the anointing, the spirit, the favors, the gifts, the healing, the health, the prosperity, the peace, the shalom. All is yours because of the federal headship. God, you know, people don't. When God sees you, when God sees the unbeliever, He sees Adam. It's not you, the individual. As in Adam, all died. It's Adam He sees. When God sees you, the believer, you are in Him. So all that He is is how God sees you. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Now, so. By his disobedience, all were made sinners. And by his obedience. So the result of his obedience is that we were made righteous. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Alright. So the Bible says, bringing every thought captive 
to the obedience of Christ. Captive to the obedience of Christ. Let me show you how our thoughts fight against us every now and then. I understand how demons operate. Many believers are ignorant of the devices of the enemy. Listen. Demons know you are ignorant. So that's what they use. That's what Kenneth Hagin, he operated in the zenith of spirit. A lot of times you will see demons like monkeys standing on the shoulders of believers and whispering to them. Whisper. Oh, forget about it. You can't make it. Then believers don't even know that there is a strange power speaking to them. Then they also say, hmm, let me forget about it. I don't think I can make it. Yeah. Then he whisper. The devil is smart. You know what he does? He's a perfect accuser. He doesn't accuse you with complete lies. No. He takes the truth of what you have done and package it with lies. And that will get, get you confused. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe you gossiped. <laughs> you did something very bad. That he will come and he'll say, Oh, look, my brother. You are wasting your time fasting and praying. God will know your prayers. If if I regard iniquity in my heart, I don't know, he'll quote scriptures to you and turn it upside down. And he is always speaking to. And can Hagen, many believers are on our way. They think is they, they themselves, they are thinking those thoughts themselves. Thoughts of defeat, thoughts of condemnation, thoughts of fear, thoughts of weakness. So they think, ah, hmm, because it seemed true. Because actually, maybe you are even guilty. Uh-huh. But this kind of knowledge is exalting itself above the knowledge of God. So this thought now comes to you. So the demons are now given to you, given to you, given to you. Now, sometimes they stand at your shoulders, proximity, and speak to your mind. But other times, they project thought from a distance. So you wake up from bed, and then you will throw, throw a javelin. <laughs> so you, you wake up, so, ah, life is not easy at all. Pastor Christ is wasting our time. Pastor. You know, unnecessary thoughts. Suspicious thoughts. Now start hitting you on the bed. You feel weak. You feel depressed. It's like life is now gloom. You see bad pictures. Everything is negative pictures. You just woke up. Almost like getting depressed. <laughs> but many are unaware that that is, a, that is warfare. The thought is from themselves. It has been projected. And this kind of warfare, the Bible says, is constant. All of a sudden, hatred against your sister or your brother. All of a sudden, something that he did or she did that you have even forgiven her. Now comes back and it is magnified to you. And you keep pondering, pondering, pondering. No, it's the devil who is whispering to you. Whispering, whispering, whispering. What you do with your thoughts or your imagination will determine your success in life. Because these imaginations are formations. And you should know how to live the victorious Christian life and know how to win every day and every time. 
Praise God. All right, for instance, I remember around 2006 day, I, I was pastoring a church, a pastor. I was living around Tishnungwado's areas. And for, for a moment of time, everybody was dreaming and seeing visions that I was going to die. If this person called a man of God, we saw that you, uh, I see that you are going to die. Everybody was talking. Even me, myself, I dream, I see death. <laughs> so for some time, as I start walking, I just start seeing death. My leg hit a stone and said, hey, could, be, could this be the death? <laughs> like thoughts of, all of a sudden, thoughts of death was coming all, because people were seeing it seeing it. Me, myself, too, I, dream, I was dreaming it. So now, you see, this thought is against the knowledge of God. It's against the knowledge of God. Now, assuming that, assuming that, let me use your book as an illustration, okay? Assuming this is the thought of death. The thought of death that is confronting me. I'm going to die. Hey, am I going to die? Now, he says, you bring that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. This is Christ. His obedience is his death. His obedience primarily, his death on the cross and what it accomplished for you. So this is the thought of death. Take it. Hold it firm. Take it captive like a slave. All right. Now, this is the thought that is oppressing you. You know what I did? Those thoughts of death, I took them captive and brought them to the obedience of Christ. You know what I, I, I said? All of a sudden I said, ah, what is death? When Jesus died on the cross, in his obedience, the Bible says he abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He abolished death. Paul even mocked death. Paul contemptuously spoke against death and said, Oh death, where is that sting? Oh grave, where is that victory? So, it's a snake without poison. It's a snake without its fang. So, death has lost its sting. All of a sudden, I was awakened and I said, Oh, oh, hmm. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power, not who has, who had, oh, so he doesn't have the power of death again. Who had the power of death? Then I remember that in Revelation 1.18, Jesus revealed himself to John and said, I am, I am he that liveth. I am he that was dead and, and, and liveth, and I'm alive forevermore, and have in my hands the keys of death and Hades. Hey. So death is not even in the hands of the devil. It's in the hands of my Lord. Oh, yeah. Death and Hades. Then I remember that Paul said, all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or life or, or death or death or the world. So all are yours, and ye are Christ, and Christ is God. So even death is mine. So I rule over death. Death cannot take me. So you know what I was doing? I was taking this thought captive. Ten. 
to the obedience of Christ. To the obedience. I'm bringing it to Christ, to his obedience. You see, I'm taking it captive as a slave, bringing it to his obedience. Because in his obedience, death was conquered. That's how the war is fought. You take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Praise God. Thank you very much. How about? Thank you. How about? You are so afraid that this sickness. And people are afraid of sickness. Go to the hospital and see. Whatever the doctor tells them. Almost like the, doc- the doctor's voice is powerful than God's voice. Huh. <laughs> my, 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 my. And you are told you have ulcer. You have you are you are told you have tuberculosis, all manner of sicknesses. And as you are going, you know, Satan will take advantage of you. He says, Look, this sickness, huh, you are not recovering now. This sickness, oh, then you feel a sharp pain. Oh, the sickness. Hmm. Start preparing your will. And when you are sick, a lot of thought comes to your head. And when the pain is hard, you, you want to even give up. And when the devil sees that, that is when they take opportunity to throw thoughts to you. Thoughts, thought, 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 thought. So when the thought comes to you, as you are walking, uh, you are troubled. Eh? You, are not even, you can't even smile. You can't even smile because of what you are feeling and what the doctors have said. You know, the Bible says, you bring it kobataya, into captivity, slavery, to the obedience of Christ. Listen, in his obedience, he conquered sicknesses. If only you can believe. Jesus' death, he conquered every sickness. He took your sickness. Haven't you read? Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him smitten, stricken of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our affliction, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Himself took our infirmity and he bare our sicknesses and our diseases who his own self bare our sins in his own body that we being dead to sins might live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed you know what you are doing as you could the scriptures as you stir up your heart you are taking that thought because see the more you dwell on that thought your imagination can produce it, your imagination is formation the more you dwell in it, sometimes the sickness has not even begun. It, it, it is in its initial stages. But your thoughts will bring it to pass. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, all the subatomic particles around you and your imagination will form it. That's why, when, for instance, the prophet tells you, I see that you're going to die. You know that just hearing you're going to die can kill you. It may not even be the prophecy. <laughs> Because the fear alone and the thought patterns and the imagination can orchestrate death. So take it to 
bring it into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's what to do. The obedience of Christ. His obedience. Oh, my, 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 my. You need to stand on the word. 2011, I had an accident through my disobedience to preach at a place where God didn't want me to preach. I don't want to go into it, but I had an accident anyway. I will not have an accident again. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And my hand got broken here. The bones divided. In all those days, when I was there, I'll take the scripture. Of course, you know the kind of thoughts that will come. Yeah. The devil, I he regretted it. <laughs> my. Then I'll take the scripture. He kept all my bones. None of them shall be broken. <laughs> Look, I was literally dancing. I couldn't move my hand. Glory to God. And I'll literally stand on the Bible, physically. And I'll, I'll take every thought captive. Ah! I went to the hospital. They said, I shall forget about it. Come the next one month. It is not healed. I went the next day and they removed it. He said, it's perfect. It's perfect. How about... Thoughts of luck and poverty and yeah, yeah. Especially and that temptation comes when you don't have anything. Uh-huh. The devil can give you pictures, and the pictures are especially if you have a beloved too. The, the devil if you, will, will give you a vision. The wedding date is just left with. One month and not. <laughs> and you are wondering, how will it be? It's going to work. People get frustrated. People get weighed down by a hopelessness, despair. How can it be? Even me, myself, t- taking care of myself is a problem. So when all those thoughts come, demons, eh? That, you know, they, that, that is, they are looking for such moments. So, see, they are jobless. So. They are always looking for job. So when you put yourself in that situation, you said, wow. <laughs> and they will project. Now, they watch you. They watch you. If you embrace those thoughts and entertain those thoughts, then they come again and progress it further. Yeah. yeah. Because there are people who have contemplated suicide. You know how it starts? Thoughts from Satan. Thoughts. Uh-huh. But if you dwell on it for a while and entertain those thoughts, then they'll come and advance it further. Before you realize you are dead. <laughs> yeah. So they always come. They always come. Uh-huh. So, when this thought come against you, take it and bring it to his obedience. Everything is Christ, though. To his obedience. Listen, in his obedience, he took care of your financial hardship. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. That he through his poverty might become rich. And he's talking about material wealth. Are you not, don't you know that through his death, you became the seed of Abraham? You became an heir of God and joint heir with Christ. Oh my. You can never be disadvantaged. You take the thought captive and say, Satan, you are a liar. 
because faith is a substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen i have the evidence it is i have the evidence i have the blessing i am blessed good things are coming to me i don't see it physically but my faith gives substance to these realities yeah because of the obedience of christ like this thought you said marriage let me tell you something about marriage if, even when you marry <laughs> now, I, I remember when I married the first week I married the first week I married you see I lived my life in some places in central region and one of the areas I lived when I was growing up the men don't do anything it's the women who are always working <laughs> always working and when the men try to work they see them that they see them to be weaklings or that their wives have even taken them to a native doctor to you know <laughs> that was a long time ago where i lived but those thoughts were still hidden so when i married see we're just the two the two myself and my wife in the house then i went to the sink because my wife was tired and i was cleaning dirty dishes and as i was cleaning i heard a whisper in my ears man of God. <laughs> Your wife is taking advantage of you. Look at where she has reduced you to. Even when you're not married, you didn't wash plates. People live for, in your house and they're washing plates. Look at what marriage is doing to you. So you know, so I actually put the sponge down and I stood this way. Because I, just came, I nearly said, mm, "It's true." Ah, the way people respect me, pa. Look. When was the last time I watched plates? Then. The thoughts came about a minute or two. Then something stared on my from my inside. I, I was really blessed. This is a testimony. Then all of a sudden I said, ah, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So, how did Christ give himself for his bride? Death. The obedience of Christ. He died. So I said, ah, can this be death? This is nothing to compare to death. <laughs> At all. Just watching plates. So that Satan were a liar. I started watching with Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that is that is what you do to bring your thoughts what into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Because you see, if you keep dwelling on, on it, my wife is taking advantage of me. And, and imagine yourself that the devil give you further imaginations. Image, and the formation, you see it manifested. Wow. 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 What a Before long, you are beaten here. Yeah. And it has, that scripture, when I began, it has helped me. When I, we gave it to our, our children, something I finished preaching maybe 12 midnight, 2 a.m., and my wife will bring me the baby to hold the baby. I, I sometimes my, my feelings want to say, Oh, 
O woman of God, seest not thou? Then, you know, every time, love your wife as Christ loved the church, and and that's there, sacrifice. So I take that thought captive. And anytime you do it, the marriage is nice, it becomes peaceful, sweeter. And it's amazing that when you sacrifice like that for your spouse, in the morning or in the day, the love is spiced them all. So give you food you have never eaten before. Hallelujah. Sometimes, one of the ways Satan uses against believers the most, the thought he machas against believers, guilt and condemnation. Guilt and condemnation. That one, he specializes in it. Especially when you know you are truly guilty. Then he will come. He will come. Because you see, when you are guilty, the feeling is not good. So he, he, that is the best time demons operate. Takes advantage and said, Oh, my brother. <laughs> Look at what you have done. God will not use you again. All the promises God has for you, you see that you've, you've destroyed it. You see, it, it goes with fear. You go like, hey, so does God still love me the same way? All the promises and prophecies I've received, is it going to come to pass? By what I've done, have I destroyed them? And guilt, you are condemned. God will not forgive you. You see, God will not forgive you. So all these thoughts now comes against you. After guilt and condemnation, that is his work. He's specialized in it. He is a lawyer. So he's, he's a master craftsman in bringing out your guilt and making you feel condemned. Systematically, he does it. Listen. <laughs> never allow the devil to condemn you. And never allow yourself to feel guilty. I'm not justifying the wrong you have done. I'm not justifying it. But no matter what you have done, God never condemns you. God doesn't do it. And you don't know the scriptures. Listen. If you are feeling condemned, weighed down, guilty, bring those thoughts captive to his obedience. Do you know his obedience? Isaiah 53, verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to crush him, to bruise him. He has made him to grieve, to be sick. When thou shalt make his soul an offering, when thou shalt make his soul a trespass offering, when thou shalt make his soul a guilt offering, when thou shalt make his soul his soul the asham, say asham. asham. Now in the Hebrew, 
It's amazing that now in the Hebrew, the word for sin is the same word for sin offering. The same Greek word. And the word for guilt is the same Greek word for guilt offering. Which is the same as a trespass offering. It is because you know that um, the sinner, when he, the one who has sinned, the one who is guilty, he sends his offering to God. He lays his hands on his offering. And all of his guilt goes to that offering. So the offering becomes the guilt, yet it's the guilt offering. Because all the guilt is transferred to it. When Jesus was on the cross, he was there in your name. He was there in your name. It's as if you were on the cross. All your guilt, all your condemnation, past, present, future, from the day you were born to the day you see Jesus, every guilt, every condemnation. On the cross, the one on the cross was your guilt offering. So when he died, your guilt died. Your guilt died. <laughs> Anytime you feel guilty and condemned, you are insulting Jesus. I have to make it strong this way for you to, to get your attention. But it's an insult. Let me demonstrate to you. Pastor Mike, assuming, assuming you are owing Pastor Michael, uh, Pastor Alex, ten million dollars. You are owing Pastor Alex ten million dollars. Then Bishop hears it. Bishop is a wealthy man. Bishop hears. <laughs> Bishop hears you are owing ten million dollars, and now okay, say don't don't worry. Now pays Pastor Alex hundred million dollars. He said for your trouble. Now it has been oh, it is an overpayment, is that not so? Now, but whenever you see him, you want to hide. Previously, you were hiding the way um, you hide from your creditor. When you see your creditor coming, if he has not seen you, you just pass through the corner. Uh -huh. But now that it has been settled, you are also hiding. You see him, you quickly you hide. What does it mean? <laughs> you are dishonoring or you are doubting his payment. You're doubting it. Meanwhile, you should have run to him because by you, he is now prosperous. <laughs> so when Jesus died, all your sins, past, present, future, from the day you were born to the day you see Jesus, the payment he gave to God for you was an overpayment. It has been paid. Settled. Yeah. If you want more on that, uh, Bishop will tell you. I also preach something like that in Tesaros. Yeah. So, so when the devil does that, that's why the Bible says that. Who is he that condemneth? He's saying that who has the power to condemn? Who? Then he says, the whole world, only one person has the power to condemn, that is Christ. But he says the one who can condemn you is the one who actually paid for you. Yeah. It is Christ who died, and yea, the rather, who is also seated at the right, right hand of God, representing you as your advocate, and who is also making intercession for you. So who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Yeah. I mean, that is when you have even sinned. Am I saying go and sin? Don't be a foolish boy. 
<laughs> but, but if you sin, don't allow the devil to condemn you. You know why? The moment you feel guilty and condemned, you are cutting yourself off from the, from the supply of Christ. Guilty and, con- guilty and condemnation means you've cut, you are cutting yourself because condemnation is self-righteousness. Condemnation means you are becoming Anytime you feel condemned, you are going to repeat that same, that same sin again. You are so weak, you, you are going to repeat it. Anything called condemnation is never from God. God never condemns. He will correct you in his love, but never condemn you. So when those thoughts come, you know what you have to do? Bring it. The devil said, you, you have done it. I was there, I saw you. He said, alright, devil, I did it, but let me tell you something. <laughs> yeah. Take those thoughts cap. Don't allow those thoughts to oppress you. Warfare. Bring it to the obedience of Christ. Listen, you can who is ah, ma, 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 ma. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He became your guilt offering. When he died, that guilt died. When he died, my condemnation died. He has overpaid for me. This knowledge will set you free. I'm telling you. Knowing you are not condemned, you can overcome that sin again. You can overcome it. Because when you are in love, knowing how much he loves you, the faith is active. You will prevail. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The, the devil is expected to condemn you. He will not only condemn you when you do the right thing, the wrong thing, but especially when you do the right thing. Yeah. You give last Sunday. He says, look, you could have given better. That you know you could have given better, but you don't need to be condemned for. You, you understand? Yeah. Encourage yourself and give better, but never be weighed down. But the devil will make you feel like that. Uh-huh. Oh, you know, you, you skip your quiet time two days. <laughs> I've been watching you. And now you only do your quiet time to bribe your conscience, not to be blessed by it. Because you want to appease your conscience that at least you have read something. You just... No. (laughs) Don't read your Bible because you are guilty. Read it because you are hungry. When you are hungry, do you feel guilty for being hungry? No, look for food and eat. (laughs) Simple. (laughs) So, take that thought... Bring it in. So, all bring it captive to his obedience because he settled it in his death. Except you don't know it. Never allow yourself to be condemned. That is how you can walk freely with God. No matter the thought that is oppressing, no, no matter what you have done, God even is not remembering it. You are the one remembering it. Yeah. You are the one remembering it. God says, I will remember no more. Yeah. In his death. Bring it there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are standing at a junction looking for Chotro because you don't even have money for Uber. Then you see your classmates in a Land Cruiser driving. And you saw him. He also saw you. We are trying to stop him. He just passed by our side and didn't even give you attention and drove away. 
all of a sudden you become depressed. So, oh, why me? Why am I behind in life? Oh. Why? Oh. When the devil sees that, he'll take advantage. A demon passing his way. See that? Look at that guy. <laughs> Just draw close to you and whisper in your ears. Ah, you're attracting the demon. Yeah. Yeah. You are depressed because of furnace in the car. Years ago, I was using someone's car. A friend of mine, a schoolmate, saw me in, he was a truck truck and he hid himself. So later on, he met me and asked, told me that, oh, I saw you in that car, but I hid myself because when I saw how far you've gone in life. And I said, no, it was even someone's car. <laughs> you were hiding for nothing. I also used Trotro. I was also using Trotro at that time. I mean, it's someone's car. <laughs> Look, take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ and know who you are in life because through his obedience you have overcome the world and he said be of good cheer through his obedience your future is secure through his obedience god knows the thoughts he thinks towards you of good and not of evil to bring you to an expected end you have become the seed of abraham through his obedience god has already raised you up and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in christ through his obedience all things are yours and these are realities these are realities it is through his obedience as you are standing there depressed frustrated capture those thoughts arrest those thoughts bring them captive to his obedience because in his obedience he overcame it he conquered it you are more than conquerors through him that loved us hallelujah and as you take those thoughts captive joy will bubble up from within joy will bubble up from within joy will spring forth from within joy will spring please sit down please sit down for a few minutes before we close hallelujah so you understand when i said this kind of button is every day every day every day for instance you get down there you are going home and you are in, in the darkness and your thoughts start telling you someone will just appear there <laughs> all sorts of thoughts <laughs> hallelujah you have to take that thought captive that thought captive it's so powerful I once told a story of a woman, it was in the midst of battle. People were throwing weapons, people were dying. And she only remembered the word feathers in Psalm 91. She couldn't quote everything. She kept shouting, feathers, feathers. Everybody around died, she alone survived. By saying feathers, feathers, Psalm 91. Because God said, yeah. Yes. So, he couldn't quote the entire verse. All that he could remember was feathers. And the father saved her. Took those thoughts of fear captive to the obedience of Christ. Hallelujah. You shouldn't fear. Now, how about 
How about? You see, your, your thoughts, your thinking controls your feelings. Understand this. If you are feeling wrongly, you are thinking wrongly. If you are feeling down, it means you are thinking wrongly. The solution is in your thoughts, not your feeling. Because your thinking controls your feeling. How about when you have uncontrollable thoughts of lust? Outbreak of temper, frustration, irritation, all this kind of feeling is troubling you. Anxiety, all these feelings, what do you do? What do you do? Because these feelings come. Now, listen. The Bible is very interesting. The Bible says in Romans 6, 6 that knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Christ. Now, the Bible says our old man is crucified, but according to faith, our old man is dead. But according to experience, our old man is alive. Do you know that? Yeah. Ah, the Bible says our old man is dead, yet you have the feeling of lust. So you don't know whether you are dead or alive. But the Bible said he's dead. <laughs> you still have the feeling of frustration. All the inordinate affections come. But the Bible says the old man is dead. So according to experience, he's alive. But according to faith, he's dead. Yeah. But truly, when the Bible says he's dead, he's dead. Yeah. There's a difference between the old man and the flesh. The old man, the sinful nature is dead. But the flesh is still is not dead. The old man is the master. The flesh is the slave. In 1862, Abraham Lincoln passed what is called the Liberty Proclamation, where he abolished slave trade. That day, he proclaimed and declared slave trade abolished in 22nd September 1862. And when he abolished slave trade, nothing changed, although it was abolished. The plantation owners refused to inform this, their slaves because the slaves were not educated. Until the death of Abraham Lincoln, when the information became widespread and the slaves got to know that when we are not supposed to be slaves again. But it is said that even after they had gotten the information that day, there were no more slaves. History tells us that when they were free from slavery, their lives became worse than when they were enslaved. Because they were, they were free physically, but they were not free mentally. So it was said that they had found their identity in slavery. So although they were freed, they became worse, living as though they were still under their master, masters, but their masters were gone. The old man is crucified. But you see, the flesh had been colonized by the old man for a long time <laughs> so the flesh now behaves and gives us all those feelings the feelings we have is not you the old man is dead you are a new creation yeah. you are the righteousness of God in Christ yeah. so when you have feelings of lust what do you do feelings of fear what do you do frustration what do you do ask your neighbor what do you do One way to bring your thought captive, the Bible uses the word recon. Recon. What recon? Rec How do you recon? Recon. Romans 6, verse 14, 11 to 14. Recon ye yourself to be dead indeed to sin. Recon is the word reconciliation. Recon is an accounting term. 
Lord is all mine, which means to balance the books, you know, to do reconciling of the fact. Two plus two is four, four plus four is two. Appropriate the fact of what Jesus has done. That's how to take your thought captive. So, when you have the feeling of lust, you are not that feeling. You see, you are not the flesh. You are not the flesh. You are a new creation in Christ. You have to know it. For example, one day I was speaking about this and I used an example. I said, have you been in the sea before? On a ship? You are just watching the water move up and down. When you step down on the ground, you have, you have a feeling that you are still underwater. How many of you have experienced that before? Yeah. You may think you're on water, but you see, you are not on water. But the feeling is that you're on water. So, reckon that your feet is on a solid ground. That's what, what the Bible is saying. Wow. <laughs> because you are not really on water. So, those feelings of the, of the flesh that comes to you, they are unreal. They are just a mirage. It's not the real you. Don't give substance to it. Okay. <laughs> because those thoughts will ever come. You understand? So now, it's like a, when you hear a bell ringing. When I was young, I was in Anglican church. The bell will ring. High bells. After the bell has had finished sounding, you can still hear the bell in your ears. It's still echoing. Like a mirage. And when you are in a car, and there's, you are in a traffic light, and these people are moving, and you are not supposed to move. You can have an imagery that, have you seen that before? Yeah. As if you're supposed to move. So when I began driving, there was a time, I have the imagery that my car was moving. So I left, I took my leg from the brake, and I went to hit the car before me. Twice I hit the car before me. Because it was almost like we're moving. But it was false, we're not moving. So the next time I had to reckon, though I, I was feeling that we were moving, I had to reckon that we, we had stopped. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I had to reckon, no, we are not moving. That's not the real, that's not what is happening. We, we've stopped. So I put, yeah. I put my leg on the, it happened to me recently. I put my leg on the brake. It's as if we are moving. That's what happens. All those feelings that the flesh brings, it's not the real you. Listen, when this is obedience, what was the result of Christ's obedience? Righteousness. Through his obedience, he became righteous yeah. <laughs> in the sight of God. <laughs> Anything that comes against you, bring it to the obedience of Christ. What Christ has done. Say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. That is not me. <laughs> that is not me. So you have that feeling. Do you know that if all those feelings are coming and you go like, ah, this is not me. You even start laughing at those feelings. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. By his obedience, I'm righteous. Those feelings will die. I'm telling you, they will die. You are reckoning by bringing your thoughts to his obedience. They will die. Yeah. Because you are saying, ah, that is not me. It's not me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. You are. And the more, the more you see, you, do you understand what it means? You are not just righteous, you are righteousness. Can you imagine? <laughs> and the word righteousness is from the old word right wiseness. You are wise. The nature of God, I am righteous. 
So you laugh at it. This is not me. Something is happening to you, to you and you know you're right. You know it's not you. So you affirm. These feelings are not mine. That when, you, when you're able to appropriate this thought, eh, you'll be surprised. A, a wrong feeling will come and you start laughing. <laughs> you, you laugh. Out of it, you laugh at the thing. You, the thing itself will run away. One day I felt a sharp pain that to make someone cry. And someone called for immediate uh, take ambulance to the hospital. I felt it. I was loved. I started laughing. I loved that. I loved that. I didn't pray. I loved that. And I stood up and went away. It was a no. I said, it can't be. It can't be. It can't be. It can't be. No, 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 no. It's revelation. One day I heard a testimony from Bishop Oedipo. Someone was demon, a demon was harassing someone. Let me not say this one. Someone died. A girl died and he brought a girl to his church. And they told him that someone is dead. So the, the, the dead body was in the auditorium. So he left his office and saw the, the doctor standing with a dead body. As he was walking, he said, Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? He didn't finish quoting the scriptures. The girl rose from the dead. <laughs> Look, the, the force of revelation. <laughs> The power is too strong. <laughs> like when his wife miscarried. He didn't even pray. Just said, sit down and save me. It cannot happen. And never spoke about it again. And she gave birth. Wow. One day he said he dreamt and he saw himself in a coffin. A dream. He was in a coffin. He woke up from the dream and said, Satan, it will shock you. I won't pray. <laughs> Yeah, because Satan wants you to be afraid. To, to be afraid. Hey, hey, oh, where's pastor? Hey, hey. No, 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 no. <laughs> Let's do some fasting to break. No, no, no. You don't have to give him that attention. <laughs> those thought captive. You take those thoughts cap- captive to what Jesus has done. You, you understand? Captive. Yeah, captive. If you know how much he loves you, take those thoughts captive, 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 captive. For instance, you are tempted to lie. Take those lying thoughts captive. Look at how much he loves you. He loves you so much to defend you when you tell the truth. Yeah. And when you are tempted to steal, to add another zero, he loves you so much to provide the needs you are looking for. You are loved. You are taking those thoughts captive. You are tempted to cheat on your wife. Listen. He loves you so much to satisfy you through your wife. You are loved. That is the height, the depth, the length, the breadth of the love of Christ that passeth knowledge. Bring those thoughts captive. <laughs> But even after you have lied, make sure you are not overweighed down with guilt. Still say, I am his righteousness. I am his righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. When a gold falls into debt, it doesn't lose its value of gold. You are still gold. Still proclaim it. And that's where the power manifests for you to rise above it. 
you are in a car and you can foresee accident fear or you are in a plane and there is turbulence what do you do yeah we were in a plane myself and bishop two or three weeks ago and the, the plane it was almost like it was crashing yeah yeah even the air hostess were praying in tongues go back <laughs> People were praying. Someone was saying, Afa wa yamiji, you know. You say elderly men fatten. I'm telling you, because of fear. Because the plane was moving this way. You couldn't see anything for seven minutes. Can just imagine. Look, to the glory of God, there wasn't any fear in me. To the glory of God. But a few years ago, there was a lot of fear. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. All that I could say. You know what I said? Peace be still. I am the righteousness of God. Now, do you know what it means to say you are the righteousness of God? If you say I am the righteousness of now, if you say I am the righteousness of God, you are saying that God is entitled to treat you the same way as He would have treated Christ if Christ was in your place. It's your legal claim that look, you are in Christ's place. God is bound to do for you what he would have done for Jesus if Jesus was in your place. That's what it means. So if you are going to sleep and you cannot pray long prayer, just say, I am the righteousness of God and just sleep. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Right. There's no, but when you say I'm the righteousness of God, I'll teach on what it means. It's, it's worship and honor to God. You are affirming God's character and integrity. It is what He did for the showing forth of His righteousness. Whenever you declare it, God is glorified. And God is moved to act on your behalf. Because you see, when Jesus took your place, Jesus received all you deserved and God didn't spare. Listen, everything you deserved in your lifetime from birth to death or when he will come he put it on jesus god didn't spare not one missed his eye all the judgment came upon him and now jesus god has given you jesus's place everything that he deserves you must make sure not one get lost that is what it means that's why you must keep confessing your righteousness you are bringing those thoughts yeah there are people struggling with pornography masturbation and they declared his righteousness and all of a sudden they were free no i've seen, heard people who said even the desire for it was gone but when you say i'm going to try satan said wow i like that i like that i like that that's the best gospel i've ever heard Simon. yeah <laughs> Praise God. Fear. 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 Whatever fear comes your path, you have to take that thought captive. Fear. I put fear at last because that's what God spoke to me concerning to, to talk to you. This was fear. 
Yeah. Now, what is the source of fear? But before I talk about the source of fear, what does fear cause? Fear. Now, you know, fear causes stress. Fear causes stress. Because when you are afraid, in order to prevent your fear from coming to pass, you put up a lot of effort and strength, and you get under stress to prevent your fear from materializing or from manifesting. So fear always causes stress. All diseases come as a result of stress. Sickness and diseases come from stress. Do you know that the DNA helix is like, the, it's like your shoelace? DNA helix is like your shoelace. You know, if you see your shoelace, the tip is a plastic rubber. It's, it's a plastic, yeah. The DNA helix is just like that. The tip of your D- DNA is, the, the plastic is just like the shoelace. That is what holds everything together. Hey, Doc, is you when I'm saying all these things. Uh, Doc knows that it's, it's true. Praise God. Now, when you come under intense stress, that plastic gets, that's what, it gets get broken. Intense stress over time. It gets broken and it makes your body susceptible and vulnerable to all manner of diseases and sicknesses. Aging comes in. You age faster. But when you start resting, that plastic at the tip can be restored, can be recovered. Yeah. That is why in Hebrew, the word for heal, rafa. Rafa in Hebrew means relax. Relax. Yeah. That's why you have to always relax and take some tea or coffee and sip and enjoy life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just be in a relaxed mode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, so fear causes stress and stress causes sicknesses and diseases. But what causes fear? What is the source of fear? Look at the first time the word afraid is used in the Bible. When Adam heard God, he said, I was afraid. Hmm. And I hid myself because I was naked. What caused his fear? You see, condemnation is a source of fear. And sin consciousness is a source of condemnation. Sin consciousness will lead to condemnation. Condemnation will lead to fear. Fear will lead to stress. Stress will lead to sicknesses and all that. Now, now let me show you something from maybe my last verse or something. Job 3.25. Job 3.25. Now look at what Job said. All the disasters that happened to Job, this is it. Why Job lost everything? For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. Hmm. So Job was living in fear. Greatly feared. So, you see, his thoughts and imaginations were involved. For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me. And that which I was afraid is come unto me. Beware of what you are afraid of. And look at the next verse. Look at it. There are three Hebrew words for rest. All of them are in this verse. He lost all the three levels of rest. He lost all of them. I was not in safety. Neither had I rest. Neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. So, we have all the three Hebrew words for rest here. He lost all his rest. Hmm. So fear 
led to stress because he was restless. But what caused his fear? How can an upright man in the east, a man who was with God, what caused his fear? Do you want to know what caused his fear? Sin consciousness. Sin consciousness. Job, you know what happened to Job? Every morning, he would, do a, he would offer sacrifice to God. You know why? <laughs> it wasn't sacrifice of worship. Like, of course, it's worship, but it was out of fear. Hey, maybe my, my children may have sinned today. They, they may have sinned. They may, so he quickly offered a, a sacrifice. The next day, hey, maybe they have sinned. Maybe they have sinned. Then he offers, so they have sinned. They have sinned. So he began sacrificing untiringly. Sacrificing. They have sinned, though. They have sinned, though. And that was bringing fear. That was bringing fear. They have sinned. They have sinned. Sin consciousness led to fear. Fear led to restlessness. Restlessness. He began losing everything. The source, the Lord spoke to me about the source of, he says, the source of their fears. Sin consciousness is saying, I have sinned. I have sinned. I have sinned. Now, when you say, I have sinned. I have sinned. You are saying, I'm owing. I'm owing. I'm owing. Because when you say, when you say, I have sinned. I have sinned. You are saying, there is debt on my conscience. I'm owing. I'm owing. The creditor is coming. Now, who is the creditor? It must be God. So, um, that means now you cannot even pray. Because how can you stand before your creditor who is God? So now, your prayer life is cut off. I have sinned. I have sinned. It is called sin consciousness. Praise God. God has removed your son, but now you have become an enemy in your mind. You are not an actual enemy. It is only enmity in the mind. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians, the Colossians 1. Enemies in the mind. You think God is your enemy? God is not your enemy. I have son. So those who say, I have son, I have son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now they are afraid of their creditor approaching before God. Now they get further into self-righteousness and use their own deeds and move further away from God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Don't do that. Tell your neighbor, don't do that. Because when you say, have son, have son, when you are even in a car, you are afraid maybe you accident may come. Because you know that you are not right with God. Who told you you are not right with God? Your being right with God has nothing to do with what you did. You, you never gained it by what you did. You cannot lose it by what you do. It's righteousness without works. It's without works. Yeah. Because the moment you think that you end it, hmm, you can't. You can't use works to affirm it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So be free. Jesus has removed it. And if you can get rid of some consciousness, fear will be no more. You can be like Jesus who is in, on the boat in the midst of the storms. He knows the Father. Well, he's, he's, he's all right. But you, you are wondering, maybe God is punishing you for the sin you committed three years ago. You remember that you raped somebody six years ago. Maybe God is visiting the iniquities of the fathers to the children. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, people have that kind of... Yeah. No. Bring it to his obedience. Come on, day. In his obedience, everything was wiped away. Is gone forever. You are free forever. He's an overpayment for all your sins. You are free forever. You are his righteousness. You are listen, you are in the ark of Noah. The moment you, you to be in Christ is to be in the ark. The Bible says the ark was pitched within and without. The word pitch is the word for atonement. Atonement within, atonement without. In the ark. 
Christ is our ark. We are in Christ. So as, you see, as the waters are moving up and down, you may fall. But when you fall, you fall in the ark. You don't fall outside the ark. When you fall, you are still in Christ. You don't fall outside of Christ. You are still permanently in Christ once and for all. Hallelujah. That is it. You have to be secured. And you have power to live for Christ. I'm telling you. That's God's wisdom. So, every thought that bothers you, whether of failure, of anxiety, of worry, of depression, of lack, of some who have the thought that <laughs> their marriages, for them, they, they cannot marry. I'm telling you. When I was growing up, I, I, in my mind, I thought that for me, God to use me, something evil must happen to me. A, a bicycle or a motor must hit me. No, when I was young, all these unnecessary thoughts, somebody has said it somewhere, and it was hiding in the corner of my mind. You know, so you have to undo, take all these thoughts captive. Maybe you are descending the stairs and you are saying, Oh, Pastor doesn't love me. Look how Pastor is giving attention. That thought will take it captive. Okay. You, you understand? Yeah. yeah, yeah. All these thoughts, different thoughts. Yeah, take that thought captive. Sometimes even the thoughts against your brothers and sisters. Yeah, either you are looking down on them. Take all those thoughts captive. So be, that's why I said it's a constant warfare. Uh-huh. And that is to imply that you must really know God's word. Yeah, to know what God is saying, God's word is saying. So the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing ascend, asunder of the what? The soul and the spirit of the joint and the marrow. And it's a designer of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Take every thought captive. Sometimes you want to envy your friends. You quickly take that thought captive. Ah, and start rejoicing. Yeah, because Jesus can give it to you. Your time will also come. It's nice. This, then, this is what is called warfare. So though we walk enough, we are constantly waging war. The things you are seeing, take it captive. All the failures, all the negatives. My life will amount to nothing. Take it captive. My mother will die. Take it captive. My father will die. Take it captive. I'll be alone. Take it captive. To his obedience. And life. You just live for Christ. Brother, life must be Christ. The cross. What he did for us. Appropriating what Jesus has done. And how glorious will life be? How glorious will life be? How glorious will life be? You are in a car and arm robbers are all over the place. Take that thought captive. I am the righteousness of God. The Father is with me as he was with Jesus. I will give him no room to any fear. And when you make such confessions, your angels are active. You know, when you give negative confessions, your angels are withdrawn. Your fear dispossesses them, weakens them. By your faith, they excel in strength. So they can also be weakened in strength. By the voice of his word. When you give voice to his word, the angel, like, angels excel in strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say, I bring every thought into captivity. To the obedience of Christ. Listen, don't allow your thought to take you captive. You take that thought captive. Yeah. You are going and your your thoughts keep undressing women. Fair women. Dark women. Black women. Short women. 
But it shouldn't be taking that thought and be watching. Oh, I take that thought. I take that thought. Oh, no, you don't do that. <laughs> Brethren, you are more than a conqueror. Lift up your voice and praise His holy name for you. Mabo Shabaribatonde Rebe Shambantondele Sikin Maktu Shimbrabasinte. I want you to pray right now. Every thought that is consistently troubling your life, every thought of defeat that is of failure, of condemnation that has persistently, consistently troubled your life. Listen, this is spiritual warfare. Take that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. What Jesus did, his death, arise that, take it as a slave. You will never fail. You will never fail. You will make it a marriage. You will make it a life. God is with you. Your sins are forgiven. He says your sins, your, your iniquities, your unrighteousness, will I remember them again? No more. No more. Arrest them to the obedience of Christ. You are his righteousness. You are the righteousness of Christ. You are his righteousness. Mala, Shaba, Kaba, Jume, Kibe. Mama, pull down every stronghold. You can pull down every stronghold. Every stronghold. Every prison. Every fortress. Every prison. Every fortress. Pull down every stronghold. Every imagination that is forming, we reverse it. We reverse every formation. We reverse it. Every negative energy released by our thoughts. We reverse it in the name of Jesus. Papate, 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 papate. Hey, we take into captivity every guilt, every condemnation, hey, every lust, every fear. We bring it captive to the obedience of Christ, to the cross. Ballet, Shabale, Ballet, Shabale, Ballet, Shabale. We are free forever. We are free. Hey, our thoughts, patterns are free. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. His obedience. His obedience. I am a victor. I triumph in victory. I win the battles of life. I am the head and not the tail. I am more than a conqueror. Through him that loved me. I am a new creation in Christ. I am not my feelings. I am not my emotions. I reckon myself to be dead indeed to sin. Mama ye. Mama ye. Mama ye. Joy is mine. Laughter is mine. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Victory is here. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Lift up, lift up your hands and glorify Him. Hey!
Hey, your victory is here. Your victory is here. Listen, those of you who are afraid of witches, wizards, demons, principalities, Satan, native doctors, fetish priests, I'm sorry for you. Satan is a small boy. Do you know why? If you are intimidated, afraid of Satan or demons, take those thoughts captive to his obedience. You know what he did? When he died, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now the word spoiled, you know what it means? It means to have your enemy and to render him useless. To take from him every armament he could ever use against you. He took it from him. That's the word despoiled. Every armament he could have ever fashioned or used against you, Jesus took from him. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. You can't defeat a defeated enemy. He has been defeated. Those of you who are afraid of witches, I'm sorry to say shame on you. Witches, don't you need to be afraid of Satan? Oh my. Take all those thoughts. Jesus. Oh, oh you don't believe the, the, the cross. Oh, the Bible says he took his armament, stripped him. The Bible says so. He destroyed him who has the power, had the power of death. Now is the judgment of this world. Now is the prince of this world cast out. That's the cross. He has been cast out. Satan is not a problem. Mamaya. Or you are afraid that he will come and put something on you. It's lack of revelation. Now it's time not. You see, you, he doesn't have to go after you. You go after him and he's running away. Do you know that when you are righteousness conscious, every time you wake up from the bed, from your bed, Satan and his demons are saying, Oh my, he's awake again. Oh, why? The guy is awake again. The guy knows his righteousness. You are a victor forever. That failure is not final. Take it captive. Because he already made you a success. Hold on to it. Hold your thought on the word and never accept that failure. It's a lie. It's a lie. Give him the glory. Wow. Wow. What a word. What a word. <laughs> you know, some almost um, maybe eight months ago, I was in a certain pastor's house. He invited me over, you know, because his, his wife had gone mad for several years. She goes mad, she comes back, she goes back mad. She can be mad for a year or two. She'll come back for three months and then go again for six months. I mean, they had, she had never been seen for, for a year. You know, and when this thing comes, you know, the guy believed, the pastor believed that it was something connected to something in the girl's village and things. And so when, they, when the thing comes there, eh, they can pray throughout the night. They, they are praying, no sleep, nothing, stress, everybody's under pressure throughout the night. And 
I went to his house and he was telling me about it had come, you know, and <laughs> all the problems and how the whole night he had not slept. So, and I told him, why are you struggling for nothing? Why are you stressing for nothing? Why are you behaving as though what Jesus did is nothing? Why are you behaving like that? Why, are you, why have you given the devil so much authority in your life? So much, you have given him a big throne in your, in your marriage. Look at how he's happy, happy in this house. And I, I explained the love of God to him. The love of Christ. What Jesus did like you did for us today. But you can you imagine that the following day, the lady came back and has been back for the last eight months. Longest ever. Joy has restored in their home. Everything is back to normal. I told him, go and sleep. Sack everybody who is praying in the house. They should go and sleep. What's the meaning of this? You won't pray for church growth. You are praying about this one. What do you mean? Listen, I believe that, you know, Papi, God bless you. I believe strongly that the keys that have been handed over to us is too much. Yes. Proper, real liberty has been given to us. And it is very deep. Brothers and sisters, you need to Get sit down, okay. Listen to it. Pastor Neil was saying behind me, he said, This is deep because it is very deep. It's very deep. Let's go on our knees and pray for the man of God. Pray that God will give him more insights, more depth in the word of God, deeper and deeper. Pray that God will expose him some more to his word. So that he will bring things, words from God that will bring us liberty on every side of our life. Pray that God will honor him more and more as he's polishing his children and building his children and equipping his sons and daughters, polishing the bride, decorating the bride. The Lord will decorate his life and decorate his destiny in the name of the Lord Jesus. Pray that God will make him a partaker. Of all the, all the things, all the revelations that God has given to him. Yes, pray that God will honor him all the days of his life. Pray for his family, pray for his wife, pray for his children. Pray that God will keep everybody, preserve everybody. Pray that they'll keep rising more and more in the things of the Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Pray for prosperity, for establishment. Pray that God will take him deeper in prosperity. Deeper, deeper depths of prosperity. Deeper depths of, of healing and health. In the name of the Lord Jesus. The whole family, deeper depths. The whole, everyone, all the sons and daughters in Christ that he has. Pray that God will take everyone deeper and deeper and deeper. Even in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for this wonderful servant that you have given to us so graciously. Help us honor him more and more, Lord. And help us treasure him more and more. We pray that you, you increase him on every side. Yes, let him increase. Yes, let him increase on every side, Lord. Increase in revelations of your word. Let him see deeper than you are showing him now. We ask, O oh Lord, that you show him more and more. Lord, he has not been selfish with the revelations you have given to him. He has not kept them secret. He has opened them up to us. As your children, Lord, show him more. Show him more, Lord. So that he can show us more. And lead us into more depths of your word. Honor him, Lord. Glorify your name in his life. Let his light so shine. That men will behold and give glory to you. Yes. Take him deeper. And expose him to the world. In your own wisdom and according to your own time. Thank you, Father. 
prosper him more and more. We ask that you prosper him more and more. Let him live as a king in this world. Yes. You said you have made us kings and priests. Let him live as a king. Help him live lavishly. Give him the best of life. Yes. Give him the best of life in the name of the Lord. The best of this world and even beyond this world. Yes. And Father, thank you that on that day you will really hear those words in his ears. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let his faithfulness, O Lord, stand sure before you on that day. Even in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wow. wow. What, a word. what a word. I don't know about you, but I feel like I've been washed. Because there are things you did five years ago that are still on your mind. Even when you are praying, before you pray, you say, Oh Lord, it's me again. You know your boy. You know your girl. Jimmy and I are saying, I you. Oh, wretched man that I am. Wow. So I'll admonish you. Listen, I'll admonish you. This, this, God has given us a church that is into listening to messages. Do you see? We have something called podcast. And all the messages that Reverend George has preached in our church since 2017 are on the podcast. All of them are on it. Do you see? Yeah. So I will admonish you to, they are, they are there because we want you to listen to them. Yeah. I admonish you to go look for all of them, especially this one. This one is to be up by tomorrow or a day after tomorrow. Listen to it. You've not heard it all. You've not heard it all. You don't know. It's not sung people. So don't make that mistake. You see, make sure you go, you go into it. Yes. I remember he said that you need to know the word. Yeah, because you are going to be answering with truth. All the, you must weaponize the word. You remember? Oh, yeah. Remember he said that yeah. you must weaponize the word. So if you don't know the word, what, what are you going to weaponize? Hey. You, are, you are not going to have anything to weaponize. So you need to get into the word. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you through the word, to journey into the word, and God will honor you. Yeah. Yeah. I will never be poor in my life. You see, right now, and what we've been taught means that before you even say, I will never be poor in my life, you shouldn't be thinking poverty. Because you can be saying, I will never be poor in my life. And your thought is recreating the subatomic particles around you. Do you understand? Yes. Your thoughts are forming things. Thoughts are forming images. Okay? Yes. So you can be coming to do a confession in church. I'll never put when they, they are, say this after me, I'll never put my life. I'll never put my life. Say this after me, I'm a victor in Christ. I'm a victor in Christ. They are saying, but in your mind, hmm. yeah, bro, you don't tire. I've been following God for a long time. See how I'm suffering. What did I preach when I came here? How to have victory in life, isn't it? I think I spoke about some of these things. What did Prophet Eden preach when he came here? The beginning of war. I don't know if he spoke about something similar. Same thing. Reverend George has come. In the last one month or one and a half months, the Lord has brought me, Prophet Eden, and Reverend George to talk about the same thing. I don't know whether you are noticing that the Spirit is saying some things to you. Do you understand? Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Changing levels. The things you are being taught, that is it. There's nothing else coming from anywhere. Nobody's come to dole out money to anybody. 
I'm coming to take offering from you. We will keep taking offerings from you. We will keep taking tithes from you. If you don't use the word of God for yourself, you'll be shocked that you'll be around for 25 years and you'll complain and you say that we didn't treat you well. You'll go on social media and send me a letter that I'm a wicked pastor, that I've built wealth and I'm sitting on it and I've done whatever and whatever. You know, I'm using the word of God. You were looking at, at, at me in a certain way. Use the word of God. Don't joke with it. It's not a group thing. I can't eat for you. I can't breathe for you. I can't bath for you. You have a responsibility of breathing for yourself. You have a responsibility of eating for yourself. Get to the word for yourself. It is not a group work. It is an individual work. I beg you, sit down. Get into the word. Learn it. Study it. Meditate on it. Let it seep into your heart so that you can weaponize it and speak it and think it and do what you're supposed to do so that you can prosper. The best, what what the church can do for you is what it is doing right now. Teaching you the word of God. That is why you came. Not because of any other thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? I pray that the Lord gives you understanding to see what he's doing. Yes, to see what he's doing in your life. And how he's handing over the truth of God's word to you. And I pray that God will help you stay on the word. I pray that whatever distracts you will be cut off from your life. I pray that God, in his own mercy and his own grace, will help you focus. And help you stay on his word. And not be drifted away by things that people are saying. By things that look fancy. And things that look attractive. And things that look powerful and supernatural. And take you away from the word of God, which is the highest thing you could ever have. I pray that the Lord will help you stay focused on his word. Stay focused on his word. And I pray for fruit for you. Fruitfulness on every side. Whatever fruitfulness you are hoping to achieve this year, you are hoping to have in your life this year, I pray that the Lord will help you bear those fruits. I see you bearing those fruits in the name of the Lord Jesus. You will not go down. You keep going higher and higher. That is your destiny. Your destiny is upward and forwards only. You will never go down. Fear cannot take over your life. Yes, faith is working in your life practically. The Lord has freedom to work in your life. Because your faith is palpable. Your faith is palpable. It can be felt in the name of the Lord Jesus. I said you will not go down. You will never go down. You keep going higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. Upward and forwards only. That is your life. While we look not at the things which are seen. No matter what you see around you. Don't confess what you see around you. Don't think what you see around you. What has God said? What has God said? What has God said? All things are mine. All things are mine. Oh yes. I'm one with Christ. His victory is my victory. His prosperity is my prosperity. His greatness is my greatness. His righteousness is my righteousness. I feel like preaching again, I tell you. Oh. Listen, it works so. What we are, it works so. Brothers and sisters, it works so. Oh, listen, the Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. If, if you, if only you will taste. If only you will give God the chance in your life. Like, give God the chance in your life. I pray that you give God an opportunity in your life. How do you do that? By staying on the word of God. Um, I feel the Lord is talking to somebody, I tell you. Stay on the word. Stay on the word. Don't look around. Don't look around. 
the big men will not do much for you. Oh yes. Yeah. They will not do much for you. Yes. The, the, the betting will not do much for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I saw a Christian, a pastor of that, now betting. Betting seriously. Yes, he was in my office about two months ago. Yes, he has lost a lot of things. A pastor, he has lost a lot of things. Yes, he's owing about... One is owing 84,000. There are two of them. One is owing 84,000 Ghana cities. And another is owing about 12,000 Ghana cities. Just betting. Yeah. Instead of staying on the way, it's like betting is an opportunity to become rich. You were a joker. There's something wrong with your brain. You've not given God an opportunity in your life. You've not given God an opportunity in your life. You'll be hearing, but you're not. I pray that the Lord will help you. I see the Lord just helping you. The Lord is just helping you to focus, to focus on His word, to focus on His word, yes, to focus on His word, to keep meditating on His word. Yeah, not turning to the left or to the right. Yes, 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 not turning to the left. God is giving you courage. To stay on his word. Yes. Be strong and courageous. Yes. To stay on the word of God. God is giving you courage to stay on his word. Father, thank you for your word. Even in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app. Plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God